You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This summer, Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic made history by becoming the first two private companies to launch tourists into space. And their owners, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson, respectively, went along for the ride. Now, although he stayed on Earth, Elon Musk has one-upped his fellow billionaires. His company, SpaceX, sent the first all-civilian crew into orbit. This crew will orbit the Earth for three days before splashing down in the Atlantic Ocean. And this will mark the first ever all-civilian mission, meaning that no one on board has a day job as an astronaut. Over the course of their three-day journey, the Inspiration4 crew will be conducting a wide range of experiments to determine how regular people like you and me respond in a microgravity environment. We're recording this episode on Friday, and the mission is scheduled to land over the weekend. But here to help explain how we got here is Miriam Kramer. Miriam is the space reporter for Axios, who's been following the launch. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. And of course, this is a private launch, and with that comes plenty of promotional content and branding opportunities. From a Netflix special to an official beer sponsorship, this SpaceX mission is turning out to be a stellar example of American capitalism. Recode's Rebecca Heilweil is also with us today to tell us about the economic implications of these recent corporate endeavors into space. Hey, Rebecca. Hey. So, Miriam, can you give us a brief overview of the Inspiration4 mission? How does it compare to the Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic missions? So the main thing to know that separates Inspiration4 from, from these other missions is basically that they're in orbit. So it's an orbital mission, unlike Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin, which sort of did these like quick hops. So, you know, they flew these capsules, you know, 100 kilometers up uh, and then they came straight back down. But Inspiration4 is you know, going to be in orbit for three days, which is a, a whole level of difficulty and complication that Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic didn't really have to contend with. And could you tell us a bit about who's on board? Who are these uh, four inspirational civilians? So the whole mission was sort of the brainchild of this guy named Jared Isaacman. Uh, he's a billionaire who made his money through a payments company. And he actually has always been sort of a risk taker. He likes to fly fighter jets and, and that kind of thing. I grew up with a pretty independent you know, lifestyle. If I wanted to get something done, I was going to do it myself. He's the commander of the mission, and he had a hand in picking the other three folks going along. So he could have picked sort of his buddies or family pals, whoever, to go with him. But instead, he decided to do it in this really sort of interesting way. Um, one person, Chris Zimbrowski, uh, is a father of two. He works at Lockheed Martin. I've always been someone who loves space and rockets and science, but I never thought that I'd actually have a chance to go to space. Chris Zimbrowski was chosen via a raffle, so it was like picking a name out of the hat, very Willy Wonka. You have Cyan Proctor, who is serving as the, the first Black female pilot of a spacecraft. I was born in March of 1970, and I was born on Guam. And the reason why we were on Guam is because my dad was working 
at the NASA tracking station during the Apollo missions. And, and she actually wanted to be a NASA astronaut, but didn't make the cut when she had applied. Uh, and she was picked through this Shark Tank style competition for entrepreneurs. She's a poet and an artist. Uh, and then Haley Arsenault was actually picked by her employer, St. Jude. Getting to interact with these kids and getting to show them what their life can look like after cancer, it's, it's introduced me to the best people. You know, whenever So I she works at St. Jude now, and she was treated for childhood cancer at St. Jude as a, as a kid. So it's this very kind of hodgepodge, interesting crew uh, of strangers who are now very close. <laughs> Is it fair to say that Isaacman pretty much bought the mission and then turns it into this big event? Yeah. So he told me that uh, the mission cost, you know, less than $200 million, which is the amount they're trying to raise for St. Jude. And he, you know, is chartering it effectively. Like he was given this chance by SpaceX and, and he took it. So that gets at another thing that sets this launch apart from the other two earlier this summer. And some of you listening might have already figured out what this is by hearing clips of the crew earlier. They were followed around by Netflix, and their whole experience has been turned into a docuseries called Countdown Inspiration for Mission to Space. We want to try to make the dream of space accessible to anyone and ultimately making science fiction, not fiction forever. So Inspiration 4 is also basically a reality TV show set in space. Rebecca, you've been following the show. Can you tell us more about it? So this show is basically this five-episode miniseries documenting this whole journey to space. It's kind of like a mix of a nature documentary about space and a TLC show. So the first two episodes came out September 6th, and they're sort of introducing uh, the audience to the different people who are actually going to go on this mission. These are four non-professional astronauts flying a spacecraft around and around the Earth. This is a and then there are two more episodes that dropped that talk more about their preparation process, like hiking and sort of getting physically in shape and getting, you know, training to deal with all the G-force and then practicing what it's like to, you know, actually be in space and be aboard the uh, spacecraft. This is the final stretch of their training. I really enjoy seeing their confidence grow as they start mastering the difficult tasks, the emergency operations. And then Netflix has said this final episode is going to come out later this month, and it's going to actually deal with what happened during the launch and what happened afterward in the sort of feature-length finale for Netflix. So it's a huge production uh, scheme from Netflix here. We have seen launches streamed in the past. Amazon Prime streamed the Blue Origin flight with Jeff Bezos aboard that happened earlier in the summer. And, you know, if you ever watch one of these private space launches, there's a lot of effort that's put into actually making these kind of media events. So they have commentators, live updates, and even sort of advertisements for future flights. Virgin Galactic has said they're going to recruit a TikTok influencer for an upcoming flight to sort of focus on educating people about commercial space tourism. And we also even have space reality TV sort of headed our way um, in the next few years. And speaking of coverage, Miriam, over at Axios, you've been working on a podcast series of your own about Inspiration4, and you had the chance to talk with the folks on board. What has that been like? Did they seem nervous at all? No, it's been really interesting. I So the crew, at least to me, never really showed nerves at all. Like there were moments that were difficult in training and they were, you know, they were candid about that and they would talk to me about it. But for the most part, they seemed to just be very confident 
Uh, and I think that a lot of that has to do with how SpaceX trained them and basically took them through this extremely condensed, like, astronaut training program that many astronauts do, you know, for years. <laughs> um, but they did in a matter of months. And what exactly went into that training? In my head, I'm just thinking about that that thing that's like a pot on the end of a stick and they spin you around. Yeah, no, they did that. They did a centrifuge. <laughs> so they definitely did one of those. That was one of their first things that they trained on. I think that the one of the pieces of training that I was most interested in was this 30-hour simulation that they did at SpaceX. So SpaceX has a full mock-up of the Dragon capsule uh, that they actually train astronauts on. And so they put them in this capsule for 30 hours on the ground. They slept, they ate. Um, they didn't use the space toilet because you can't actually use a space toilet on Earth. You, <laughs> they set up a porta potty for them, <laughs> but they, you know, effectively did everything that they would do in space, and they threw a bunch of curveballs at them. You described the launch of Inspiration Four in your podcast as the moment the whole space industry has been working towards. That's a pretty big statement. Why are the stakes so high for this trip? So right now, the space industry, uh, especially sort of the human spaceflight side of the industry, is really focused on just flying more people. Because at the moment, only you know fewer than 600 people have been to space. So you have to lower the bar effectively for who can go to space and who can go to space safely. Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos has this huge goal of millions of people living and working in space. You have SpaceX, who wants to make space travel like air travel. They want to build a city on Mars. So naturally, if those are sort of the big defining principles of what the future of space flight looks like, you have to launch a lot more people and you have to get a lot more people interested in going to space. So this is sort of the first real proof of concept that that can happen. Um, and it doesn't mean that this is like the moment that we all get to go to space. Like, I don't even know that in our generation or our kids' generation, it's going to happen. But I think that... This is like the first step on a really long line of steps toward actually making it potentially work. So all that said, Rebecca, it sounds like the space travel industry is still at a make it or break it phase, but that hasn't stopped corporations from capitalizing on the Inspiration4 mission as much as possible. Besides the Netflix special, you recently reported that the mission got some pretty sweet brand deals. Is that right? Yeah. So this entire mission is in support of St. Jude, but the brands that are coming along really illustrate how, you know, in the next few years, we're going to see more of these marketing deals and branding deals sort of capitalize on on space. Sam Adams is the official beer maker of Inspiration4, and they are sending 66 pounds of hops to space, and they're going to brew beer with these hops once the mission actually lands. And then there's a lot of NFT action happening as well. So there are a bunch of art NFTs going up there that are going to be auctioned off, and then an NFT recording of this Kings of Leon song that they're going to play on board on an iPhone. It's supposed to be the first NFT that actually plays songs board a spacecraft like this. You know, even as this trip has happened, we saw Spotify promoting an Inspiration4 Orbit Mix playlist based on uh, what the crew members want to listen to when they're up there. So I think this really shows, you know, what we should expect from more of these commercial space missions in the future. I checked out that Spotify playlist and I thought that Anything Could Happen by Ellie Goulding was an interesting choice. <laughs> but all this sounds like a pretty clear reminder that, again, 
these are private companies running these launches. It's not the federal government. Is there a similar history of brands capitalizing on public space missions? So NASA has been kind of allergic to marketing and commercialization deals. They haven't done it so much. You know, in recent years, there's actually been some pressure on NASA to open up some work to marketing opportunities to private companies. But that's pretty new for NASA. A lot of the gimmicks that we've seen in space that are marketing stunts have actually come from the Russian space program, which is really interesting. But now we have private missions going to space. You can pay those missions to do ads for you in space or do reality TV shows for you in space or celebrity sponsored content in space. And I think that's something we're going to see a lot more of as, you know, SpaceX, Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic start doing more and more of these trips. Miriam, you've been covering space for about a decade. And in your show, you point out that 2021 has been a particularly pivotal year for space travel and exploration. Where do you see us headed? And are you excited about that future? Yeah, I mean, I'm notoriously bad at reading tea leaves on this kind of thing. I I think like I think we're going to see a lot more missions like Inspiration4 fly. So you're going to see kind of, you know, rich benefactors bringing up other folks and you're going to see, you know, rich folks flying themselves to space. What I'm going to be really interested in seeing is like if costs come down, because the whole thing hinges on this idea that like, okay, these exceedingly wealthy people are going to be interested in this and create a market for it. And they're going to be the ones that are flying at first, but they're not going to be the only people flying. Eventually, you're going to be able to lower the cost and allow more people of a variety of different backgrounds to fly. But right now, it's still very homogenous. So I just need to see that start to to sort of shift. And how do you think the public perception of our future in space is changing after this year? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think that for me, one of the most telling things was watching sort of reactions to Jeff Bezos flying. I've never I've never seen people like actively root for a launch to fail before. Uh, and I saw that happen a lot on Twitter. <laughs> and I know Twitter's not real life, but it was a really interesting glimpse into where some people are at with this. Space has become this place where people think of billionaires first. And it used to be NASA. So having that transition sort of happen, like from this kind of government place to this like full on capitalist playground is an interesting moment for the space industry, which has always billed itself as this like place for hope and everyone like space is for everybody. But when you see, you know, only exceedingly wealthy people go to space, it's hard to believe that. (laughs) Exceedingly wealthy people go to space, it's hard to believe that. And Rebecca, with companies now taking this lead on commercial space exploration as a marketing opportunity, what do you think the future of capitalism in space will look like? I think that the way that all of these flights, essentially for the wealthiest people on Earth, are going to be marketed to people who will never be able to afford a ticket is branding. You know, you can't afford a ticket to space, but you can watch a Netflix documentary that makes you feel, at least in some way, like you're a part of it. That's actually how Netflix advertised this show. And I think, you know, all signs indicate that space is going to become a new marketing playground, a new place for people to try to advertise and and get people to buy things. The question is, you know, are people actually interested in that? Do they still think there's something novel and exciting about space at this point? And we'll have to see. Rebecca, Miriam, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to Rico Daily. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Robert Mouncey. Have you been to space? Let us know what it was like. Email us at ricodaily at rico.net.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 